Warriors World Champions. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions. Pitch swinging. Oh, and first pitch crushing. Oh, man. Lean into it. Zegers here. He can Oh, look at this. Oh, he just Welcome to the Catelacast, the number one podcast, in my opinion, that covers your favorite teams, linked by Catella Avenue, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Los Angeles Angels. I'm your host, Saimiake. Please follow us on Twitter, at Catelacast Show, and please listen, share, download, or review this podcast on all platforms. So, this is a little bit of an emergency podcast, and I was going to record anyway today, uh, but... Now I have to record with the news of Reed Detmers throwing a no-hitter. And I was at this game, which is probably, which definitely explains why my voice sounds the way it does. Um, Also recording in a different place, so probably the audio won't be too great for this episode. But I was at this game. Uh, My dad and I, um, home back in Orange County, and my dad and I got tickets randomly from from a family friend. And then we were kind of joking um, before we we're going to the game. We're saying, oh, we're bummed out that we didn't get to see Thor or Otani, right? We get to see Reed Detmers. And Reed Detmers, you know, he's been, he's been good this year. He hasn't been amazing, but he's been solid this year and been getting better with every start. But this start was just, it was unbelievable game. I mean, I can't even describe what... What what did I witness at Angel Stadium? I mean, it this this game just made no no sense at all. So of course I'm talking about the game against the Tampa Bay Rays. That was the second game on Tuesday, May 10th. Uh, Angels defeat Tampa Bay 12 to nothing behind Reed Detmer's no hitter and just a crazy explosive game for the offense. And let's get right into Reed Detmer's stat line for his no hitter. And it's pretty pretty surprising. So, of course, nine, nine innings pitched, no hits, no earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. I mean, a no-hitter with two strikeouts, that's pretty rare. Um, 41% ground ball percentage. So, obviously, you know, he was just pitching contact, getting a lot of soft contact, ton of ground ball out specifically to uh, mostly squid. I mean, he made a lot of great plays. Uh, Shout-out Anthony Rendon while we're at it. Great play made on defense. Um, there was like a liner hit hit right to him, or it was kind of like over his head. He just jumped up and he hauled it down. And I don't remember what inning it was. It might have been the fourth or fifth inning, but little do we know that was probably the signature defensive play that saved this no hitter. So huge shout out to Anthony Rendon and his defense. Um, he had 10 whiffs, 17 called strikes, and 108 pitches. And I didn't even realize that he got to 108 pitches. I. I, I thought that at the time of the game ended, I thought that he actually kept it under 100 pitches. But just an incredible game from Reed Detmers, throwing the changeup more often. So he has been really wild with the fastball this year. And while he's been progressing with every start, the fastball command has really been his downfall this year. But his his curveball is just elite. His changeup is disgusting. And we've everybody's been really just saying that hey he needs to throw the change up more throw more off-speed pitches don't when you get an 0-2 count don't just throw a waste fastball 
up or low, right? Just, you know, really trust in your breaking balls, pitch to contact, and good things will happen, and great things happen. So, I mean, this was just, this was just a weird, weird game. I'm going to try to recap as best I can. I'm still kind of buzzing from the post game. I mean, it was unbelievable. I can't believe that I was in person and saw a no-hitter. Uh, that was the last thing I thought that I was going to see. Uh, I have my live reaction to the final out. Uh, it's, the, it's currently my pinned tweet right now. Uh, if you just follow the show at Cash Show, or if you just uh, look us up and then find find the uh, Twitter account, uh, it's the pinned tweet. It just says, Reed Detmer's no-hitter in all caps and a bunch of exclamation points. So I was just, I was at a loss for words. I couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, the ninth inning was buzzing. After the sixth inning, the crowd was just really into it. And this was a big crowd at the Big A, 39,000. And I was really impressed, like almost almost to the point where I, I got a little emotional because it felt it felt like the good old days, right? It felt like those glory days from 2002 to, to 2009 where the Big A was packed and everybody was really in tune to the game. And just hearing the roar of the crowd when they scored or Detmers uh, finished an inning strong, right? I mean... Just an unbelievable game game to have been to. So uh, this game was the Otani MVP presentation and bobblehead, so that was really cool. And then they wasted no time, right? They scored eight runs on Corey Kluber in the first three innings, and unfortunately, I have Kluber on my fantasy team, so that was that was kind of fun. But they, they just jumped on Kluber, right? Uh, Trout hits a home run, and they're just off and running, right? Uh, Jared Walsh, go, or he didn't hit his home run off of Kluber. He hit it off of... Uh, off of no. Did Walsh hit his home run? I can't I can't remember. I mean, like I said, this one was a blur. Oh no no, Walsh didn't hit a home run. I'm sorry. Like I said, this this game was a blur. Um but Trout tried a home run off of Kluber and I mean at that point, even the second inning, when it was five nothing Angels, I was just like, Okay, you know, this team, this vibe, it's different. It feels different. And I've been hearing that and seeing that on Twitter. I've been hearing it uh, from the Angels broadcast or Angels radio, right, AM 830. And me being the skeptical, very pessimistic Angels fan that I am, I'm very optimistic about the Ducks, but being as big of a pessimist as I am about the Angels, I was just, I wasn't buying into it. I was just thinking, oh, you know, yeah, whatever, right? We This team has had a hot start before, and they've crashed and burned before. And this will be, be the same thing. But I don't know. I mean, just being at the Big A and, and feeling that energy, it does feel a little bit different. Now, will I say that, okay, this team is guaranteed a playoff team now? I mean, no, not yet, right? Until they clinch the playoffs and they clinch their spot, I won't say this team is a playoff team. But they do feel different. This does feel more like a team instead of Trout and Otani and maybe Jared Walsh doing something cool and then a bunch of individual guys, a group of guys just kind of there to see the show, right? It feels much more like a collective team effort, and I love that about this team. But, I mean, this game was over in the third inning. Uh, I since it's, been a, since it's been a while, about a year since I've been to Angel Stadium, I just wanted to walk around and just kind of see what was up. I was just there with my dad, and... Uh, I just walked around. I think it was like the yeah, it was the fifth inning. I just got up, walked around, got some food. I got that uh, hot dog, the uh, eighteen dollar hot dog that's in the customizable uh, tent over on the first base side. Pretty good. I mean, was it worth the money? No, but 
Angel Stadium food the last few years is kind of lacking, but that's a different conversation. But I was just kind of just walking around just to see anything new at the big A. I mean, I've been there a lot, but being in recent years, living in Utah, I haven't had, that chan- haven't had a chance to go to as many Angel games, especially with COVID. And so I was just kind of just walking around. And I get back in my seat, and the bottom of the six just ended. And I'm not really watching the game. I'm just kind of just walking around, just vibing, meeting people, whatever. And I get back in my seat, and I'm looking at all the zeros on the score. On the score. And I was just looking, looking, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. So in my head, I knew at this point that Detmers was still throwing a no-hitter. I was like, wait, he still hasn't allowed a hit yet. Okay, this is interesting. And then in that seventh inning was when Phillips hits the ball to Jaron Walsh, and he kind of just boots it and bobbles it around and then can't get the throw off to Detmers, who covered first base beautifully. He's already there on the bag. And then it was so cool, the anticipation in the big A. Everybody waiting, waiting. What is the scorer going to say? What is he going to rule it, error or a hit? And uh, I bet Artie Moreno was uh, cutting was cutting uh, the official scorer a $1,000 check or something like that. But it was ruled an error, and everybody cheered. And so, I mean, at that point, after that, there was no there was no doubt in my mind he was going to throw the no-hitter. I mean, I didn't say anything. Nobody in our seats, nobody said anything. My dad didn't say anything. So just kept going. And then in the eighth inning with Phillips coming in a pitch and then Trout hitting a mammoth shot and then Rendon hitting left-handed. And the best part about that was – uh, so I see Rendon getting in the batter's box, and he's or he's going in the left-handed batter's box, and I just impulsively yelled out because this is who I am. I just said, "What did I yell?" Oh, I was like something along the lines of, "He came and hit right-handed, so why is he going in the left-handed box or something like that?" Or Rendon, you came and hit right-handed, right-handed, right? And then the second pitch, he hits a moonshot over into the right in the right field uh, pavilion seats, and I. I was just shocked. I just stood there in utter disbelief because Rendon hit a home run left-handed. And I, it was, it was really, it's really funny now to think about it. And I've been really hard on Rendon, and he did not look – I mean, aside from this home run, he did not look good at the plate today. But, I mean, he did bail out Reed Detmers with that nice jumping catch, so that's good. But I think – I think just the way Rendon's swinging the bat and if he's generating hard contact still, that's definitely something to monitor looking forward. But I don't want to be negative, right? I mean, this is just an amazing game. Um, and then so while uh, the Angels are scoring all these runs in the, in the, in the bottom of the eighth, my dad is, is sitting there and he's just saying, bunt, bunt, just start bunting, get, get this inning over with. And then I was realizing, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Demers has been sitting in the dugout for how long now? Because an 8 nothing game is now a 12 nothing game. And at that point... Uh, you know, the inning's over, everything, and the Detmers comes out, and the crowd's just going wild. I mean, it it felt like it felt like an Angels game for the early 2000s. I mean, I can't stress that enough. It was awesome. And then he just, he gets that pop, he gets the pop-up uh, in foul territory, and then he gets a ground out, and then he gets another ground out to end it, and then, yeah, I have the reaction uh, up on Twitter, but... It was just so cool to see a no-hitter in person because there's that there's that weird kind of hushed anticipation from everybody in the crowd, right? Nobody wants to say anything. Nobody wants to be the one that jinxes it or whatever. And he did it. I mean, that that is something that I've really wanted to see from Reed Detmers is just how can he respond to tough situations because I know that the pitching makeup is there, right? He doesn't have the overpowering fastball, and he's a little wild with it, but still, it's an effective pitch. The changeup is a very effective pitch. The curveball is a very effective pitch. He just needed to put it all together, and he has been improving every single start. And you know, you can't argue with the results, right? A no-hitter. 
and just just to see just to see how the team responded to him. I mean, it was so cool. That's what I'm saying that this Angels 2022 Angels squad feels like a team and it's the first time first time that I've really gotten that vibe that this is a actual team. And it was just unbelievable. Unbelievable to see in person. Just can't say enough good things. Uh, oh, I need to shout out Chad Wallach. So, Max Stassi uh, was on, put on the IL on Wednesday. And then Kurt Suzuki's been on the IL for a couple of days. We don't really know exactly what their injuries are. But they've had to bring up Chad Wallach, who is at this point, been like a 30-year-old kind of journeyman, catcher, uh, local boy. He has went to Cal State Fullerton. And then he was born in Yorba Linda. So, that was really cool. And he's 30 years old. He hasn't really played that much in the majors. And then, you know, yesterday, right, he caught he caught the game in the blowout. Uh, they won eleven to three. And then today, he hits a home he hits a home run, and he almost hit another home run that was warning track power. I can't remember exactly where, but yeah, it was warning track power. But uh, Wallach hit a hit a monster home run off a of Kluber into the bullpens. I think that one that one went like four hundred ten feet. And no offense to Kurt Suzuki, but uh, I think we might have had our backup catcher. And he plays great defense out there. I mean, he calls a great game. We've seen that with, with the Thor start on Tuesday. We've seen that. Obviously, the Reed Detmer's no-hitter. Um, he frames decently well, I think. It's, I, you know, I don't know if he's an elite framer, but he's a better framer than Kurt Suzuki is. Uh, he has better arm than Kurt Suzuki. He can hit for power and... Yeah, it'll be intriguing to see how Chad Wallach fits in with his team. And, yeah, honestly, I really hope he takes Reed Detmer's spot going down the line. But um, I think that's pretty much everything I have to say for this game. Oh, uh, Andrew Velasquez, the squid, went three for four and starting to hit the ball late, uh, lately. So that's a great sign, especially with the news, unfortunately, that David Fletcher had to get uh, hip abductor surgery. So he actually got surgery on both hips, right and the left abductors. And they said he's going to be out for two months. Now, when I first heard that, I thought he would just be out for the season. So two months, I think, is very optimistic. And I, we'll see. We'll see what the news on Fletch. I think the Angels are just fine um, right now with Velasquez, Wade, Renjifo even, uh, Manning, short, Manning shortstop and second base. And then uh, just hopefully Matt Duffy can come back and, and still keep swinging the same bat that he was before he went on the IL. But just an unbelievable game, unbelievable atmosphere. I was so glad uh, to be at the Big A for this one. I think this might be the only Angels game I'll be able to go to this year. So couldn't have picked a better, better game because, in my opinion, I think this is probably the best Angels game I've been to. So uh, previously the best Angels game that I was there was uh, there for was that uh, the 2005 ALDS Game 5 against the Yankees. That was the game where Bartolo Colon gets injured in like the second inning or something like that. He got a shoulder injury or something. And then Irvin Santana comes in for the bullpen, cold turkey, and he pitched like five shutout innings or something like that or held the Yankees in. And then the Angels won 5-3 to three, uh, behind the save of Francisco Rodriguez. And that was just a great back-and-forth game. There's a couple other playoffs games that I've been to as well, like uh, 2009 – I believe it was game five of the ALCS against the Yankees, the one where uh, the infamous John Lackey, this is mine game, or the uh, the gif of him yelling out the word fun, if you know what I mean. Um, that was a great game that I went to as well. But I don't know. I mean, this game had everything. You had 
mammoth home runs, a no-hitter, uh, a guy hitting a home run on the opposite side of the plate. He had a position player pitching. I mean, it was just so weird. And then, oh, one more thing I want to get, get to about this game. Um, so this was the, show, as I mentioned before, this was the Shohei Otani MVP uh, presentation, I guess you want to call it. And so they, did, they had this little pregame uh, ceremony thing. With all with Otani and all of the awards that he's won, like MVP, like the AP, uh, Male Athlete of the Year, uh, Silver Slugger, the um, I can't remember the oh the Edgar Martinez like DH award, all all of this hardware, right? And then the people out there in the ceremony is Otani, uh, Terry Smith, the Angels uh, radio play-by-play voice. He was the MC of this event, and then you had. Uh, Artie Moreno out there, which I was, I knew he would make a, a public appearance, but the way Artie has been lately, he hasn't made too many public appearances, but I knew he would be out there for this one. That was interesting. So Artie Moreno was out there, Joe Madden, uh, Perry Minazian as well. And they introduced Artie Moreno and he got booed and I booed him good. Like I, it was, it was so funny because it, I think like we've been kind of everybody on Angel's Twitter has been kind of joking about oh yeah I'm gonna boo Artie when he when he shows his face or something, and sure enough, you know like no nobody in my section really booed that I heard probably just because my booing was so loud but you could definitely hear a good amount of boos as Artie Moreno got introduced. Uh, Sam Blum, the Angels athletic writer, definitely noted that he said Angels owner Artie Moreno gets a smattering of boos as he's introduced. Perry Manazian and Joe Madden get applause, which I didn't applaud Joe Madden, but I didn't boo him either, but it was so funny. And another tweet, Artie Moreno got more boos than cheers. Artie Moreno being booed while being introduced for Shohei Otani's MVP presentation, LOL. Uh, some audible boos as Moreno's name is announced. And that just kind of sums up the frustrations the fan base has had with Artie Moreno which I don't need to go there because I want to be positive about the Angels. I mean, it was just an unbelievable day. Huge shout-out to Reed Detmers. Just a great, great stepping stone to his young career. I mean, he youngest no-hitter in Angels history at 22 years old, which that's younger than me. And, yeah, okay, I'll grumble about that. But just an unbelievable game. And I'm so, so happy for Reed Detmers because it, it, I think there has been a lot of pressure put on him as far as being that savior, right? Or the next ace, homegrown ace for the Angels, because they've had a lot of them. And just to, you know, really get that monkey off his back and have his moment that he's arrived in the majors. And what bigger moment would a no-hitter be, right? And just his 11th career start. And so I think the sky's the limit for Reed Detmers. Uh, he did talk about that he was really trying to trust some stuff and try to do some things a little bit differently. And I really think that correlated with throwing his changeup more uh, than his fastball. And just got a ton of soft contact on that. And plus, for a guy who works well, if he can keep getting that soft contact, then we should be seeing quality starts and expecting them as just a norm every time Reed Detmers takes the mound. So I just can't say, can't say enough great things about Reed Detmers. Huge shout-out to him. Uh, fantastic job. Congratulations on the no-hitter. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to – the last thing I'll say about the Angels is that in 2014, Jared Weaver – through a no-hitter. I believe it was in May. It was early-ish in the season. And 2014 was the last time the Angels made the playoffs. And I thought the no-hitter was something that, that really kick-started the team's momentum. And hey, you know what? This no-hitter from Reed Detmers, it might really jumpstart the Angels' momentum this year. So 
We'll see what happens. Congratulations, Reed Detmers again. Please drive home safely. Thank you. And uh, let's get into the Ducks because there's actually some news about them. So after all the excitement with Reed Detmers throwing the no-hitter, there's still some Anaheim Ducks news. So the Ducks, the NHL draft lottery was also on May 10th, Wednesday, 2022. And the Ducks, since they finished as the 10th worst team in the NHL standings this year, they had the 10th best odds to uh, get the number one pick in the 2022 NHL draft, and they had the best odds at staying at the 10th overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft. So they had a 73.3% chance of drawing 10th. They had an 18.4% chance of drawing 11th, a 0.9% chance of drawing 12th, and then just for some fun, a 3.5% chance of drawing the first overall pick. We knew that wasn't going to happen. And they had a 3.8% chance of drawing second or a 4.1% chance of drawing third. And so, I mean, I, I kind of know how the draft lottery works. I mean, I think it is by far the most rigged out of all of the major sports leagues that do a draft lottery. And it, it is fairly obvious sometimes, especially with the Oilers, you know, getting all those first overall picks and it still hasn't really turned out well for them. The Kings are just whooping them right now. But, I mean, the, you can tell that the NHL, they try to at least cater to certain markets or certain teams that they want to be successful, right? There's a certain market that they want to push or a market that they need to um, – make hockey relevant again or make or try to really grow and establish the game or try to grow and establish a team or something like that right and just for whatever reason the ducks haven't been in that priority and that's fine and so i kind of just assumed that the ducks would either be picking either ninth tenth or eleventh and they stayed at the tenth overall tenth overall pick which i can't complain right that's what they were originally going to be slotted as if there was no lottery and as long as they didn't fall to the 11th pick that's fine with me and so not not really noteworthy news but it is something that's going to be huge down the line as we start to get towards uh the nhl draft here because a top 10 pick i mean that's that's huge right especially for this rebuilding team and uh, especially also the Ducks have multiple first round picks this year. So we'll see how that turns out, uh, you know, how they'll, how they'll, how they'll move these picks around. You know, are they going to stand pat? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade these picks for a proven player as Pat Verbeek has said that he uh, would want to do in the past, uh, past press conferences. So just a lot of excitement still around the Ducks and, I don't think though they can uh, trade up for number one pick and get Shane Wright or Logan Cooley or something like that, right? But just kind of look, uh, preliminary, just looking at some of the names that could be available for them. Uh, someone like uh, someone like uh, Isaac Howard could be available. They do need wingers. Uh, Owen Beck, um, who is a center, um, just. Um, I think that they should try to prioritize taking. Uh, a defenseman or a winger. Uh, so someone like Ivan Mir Mirschnik. Oh, geez. Mirschnichenko, the uh, Russian winger, uh, left winger. Or uh, somebody like maybe even if Brad Lambert uh, even fell to them. I don't, I don't know if he will, but 
I, you know, somebody that you, somebody that you can uh, convert to uh, a wing or um, uh, another defenseman that would be great. The big defenseman, Liam B- uh, Bichel from uh, Switzerland. I just, I don't know. I, I haven't scouted any NHL prospects. I don't. I don't have the time to, and I leave that up to the people that I think. Uh, who get paid to do that or people who actually do observe NHL prospects and they watch juniors, college, uh, European leagues, and they have a real feel for the rankings and who they think is good, who they don't think is good. But, I mean, ultimately the Ducks, they are a rebuilding team. They should go with BPA, best player available. But my preference would be a defenseman, doesn't matter left or right, and a winger, doesn't matter left or right. Because I think with the center position, you're set with – Zegris and McTavish going forward but say if say if some really great center right like somebody like Connor Geeky or somebody or um yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll go we'll go with Connor Geeky right um let's say he falls down to the number 10 pick or someone like uh Marco Casper right falls down to the number 10 pick and the Ducks pick them and then they want to use that player as a center, then do they move Trevor Zegers to the wing? So I don't know. I think that there's a lot of flexibility with the Ducks, and they're a rebuilding team. They're not looking to add a specific position of need, but I think that this roster does offer a lot of versatility. But if it just were for me, I would prefer them to pick a winger or a defenseman. But, I mean... I, they really can't go wrong with this pick, right? It's a top 10 pick. Um, we'll see how this player performs down the line in the NHL, and we'll see how their pro career takes off. But right for na- uh, right now, a lot of optimism and a lot of enthusiasm about the Ducks moving forward. I'm really confident in Pat Verbeek that he can be the GM to turn this ship around and uh, start heading the Ducks back into, into playoff contention. And then also, like I said, you have to remember that they do have multiple first-round picks. They have multiple seconds multiple thirds and so this i think this will be an active draft for the ducks um i wouldn't be surprised at all if they did trade some of these picks for somebody like jacob chikrin but we'll see um yeah and that's that's all i got for the ducks i mean it's not a whole lot of news it's not big breaking news that they that they're staying at the 10th overall pick in the 2022 nhl draft but considering that this is a really rebuilding team it is something that i've talked about and yes, the Ryan Getzloff uh, top 15 moments in Ryan Getzloff's career is kind of is going to come out eventually. I just need some extra time for that. Uh, I was going to record today anyway, but especially with Reed Detmer slaying the no hitter today, I definitely had to jump on. And so hopefully the audio isn't too bad. Thank you so much for everybody who's listening. All the support, I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to listen to the show, download, rate. Uh, subscribe, share, whatever. Uh, this podcast is available on all podcasting platforms. So if you just type in the Catelicast on whatever podcasting platform you like, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Samsung, Amazon, whatever, um, it'll come up and you can listen to the show and leave a review, five stars only. You can say whatever bad things you want about me, but as long as you leave it five stars, that's good enough for me. And then you can also, again, Follow the show at Catelicast Show. Again, that's at Catelicast Show, all one word. And uh, just love to uh, interact and meet some more Ducks and Angels fans. Uh, don't let my pessimistic tweets uh, 
rub you the wrong way or something like that. Uh, just love to talk Angels baseball and Ducks hockey all the time. And uh, congratulations again, Reed Detmers. And that's all I got for this episode. I'll see everybody in the next episode. Let's go Ducks and let's go Angels.